Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Jesus, let's stand today, if you will, in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I don't know about anybody else, but I've been enjoying these little dips of temperature. I like those 50s at night and 70s during the day. Amen. And I know we complain and we rejoice each time the season changes. It's like whenever winter's been around, we're glad to see the warmer weather. And whenever summer's been around, we're ready to see the cooler weather. But nonetheless, I'll just take it a season at a time. I like it. Nothing wrong with me having the window cracked open at night and feeling a little of the dew come in and settle in on my blankets. That's okay. I can handle that. Amen. But it's good. It's good. Amen. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, if you will today, the book of Hebrews, chapter number 9. And I want to read just a few, few verses of Scripture from Hebrews, chapter 9 today. I'm going to start with verse number, verse number 18. Hebrews 9 and verse number 18 this morning. The Bible says, Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood, neither was it dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the New Testament, which we could also say covenant. They're kind of interchangeable words of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission, is no remission or removal, and particularly no removal or remission of sin. Amen. For a little while this morning, in kind of a teaching mode today, I want to talk to you about the connectivity of the blood. The connectivity of the blood and uh, we're going to look here in Hebrews and probably go back to the Old Testament and look at some things because the book of Hebrews majorly is casting a light back on some Old Testament ceremonies Old Testament uh, rituals that were done and given them New Testament light or New Testament meeting all right God I thank you today for your word God, I pray, Lord, for let it be forever settled in my heart and my mind. God, that you're able to strengthen us today and encourage us, Lord, by the Scriptures. God, bring life application to us, Lord, from the Scriptures. And we'll be thankful and grateful, Lord, unto you for these things. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen of the church, say amen. You may be seated this morning. And so that is, that is one of the peculiar aspects of the book of Hebrews uh, I oftentimes tell people, uh, if you want a better understanding of Hebrews, go back and read uh, the first five books of the Bible uh, because Hebrews relates much with the first five books of the Bible, particularly, again, the ceremonies of, 
of animals that were slaughtered in rituals of tradition that they did uh, in the Old Testament are related to things in the New Testament, but it's bringing meaning out of those things. And the book of Hebrews tells us itself that the law, all of the Old Testament law just had a shadow of good things that was to come a shadow of good things that was to come. And as we know this in our own, own day and maybe in your childhood, the shadow is not the thing itself, but the shadow indicates that there is a thing, right? Uh, you, you sometimes can be walking along the side of a building and there can be a shadow of something that's being projected uh, from another direction, maybe that's around the corner of the building that's being projected though over in your path. And so it's indicating to you there is something of substance maybe just around the corner, although you may not be able to see it with your natural eye in the moment, but the light that is shining on this thing is causing a shadow to be cast and the shadow is nothing more than uh, proof that there is something that's there, though you may not be able to see it with your eye. And so the Old Testament law and some of the practices and rituals and offerings and various things actually of the Old Testament, uh, Scripture is telling us is just a shadow. It's not the thing itself, but it is a proof that that thing is, is there or that it exists. And so when we come into the New Testament Scripture, and particularly in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews starts showing us, the image it starts showing us the thing uh, that the that was casting the shadow. You know, you you could probably recognize if the light's just right the shadow of a bicycle, right? And so it, it, you're not all that surprised if you, it's not invisible sight as far as the bicycle itself. That whenever you come upon it, oh. That's exactly what the shadow is showing, a bicycle. And so that's kind of a little bit of what we have happening in Scripture between the Old Testament, particularly the Old Testament law, and we come into the New Testament with Hebrews and the correlations is being made of what this was and what this stood for uh, early back to the nation of Israel, but what this means for us in substance today as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what Hebrews is doing in the Scripture. And he begins to tell us, the writer of Hebrews begins to tell us again that even the First Testament, and I know we have our Bibles, right? We talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament, or some people prefer to call them the First Testament and the Second Testament. Uh, but nonetheless, as I said in our reading, uh, the word testament and covenant are, are, are interchangeable. Uh, when we're talking about Old and New Testaments, uh, we could also be talking about Old and New Covenants uh, because of the covenant that God made with Israel in the Old Testament. But in Hebrews, it's speaking about a new and better covenant that we have in New Testament Scripture. The Old Testament covenant or, 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 or testament all revolved around, uh, yes, animal sacrifice and blood and the use of that blood by various means and sin offerings and trespass offerings and peace offerings and all of those type of things. Yet we find the fulfillment or the substance of all those things in the man Christ Jesus and in the work of Calvary. And just as there was a lot of bloodshed, and we know this, there was a lot, a lot of bloodshed in the Old Testament. Uh, 
I mean, just contained in the morning, the evening sacrifice of a, of a lamb's life being required just at the morning, the evening sacrifice, that's a lot of blood within a year, two lambs a day. But whenever you start piling on that blood that was required for sin offerings and trespass offerings and blood that was required for peace offerings, which was basically for mankind to stay in fellowship and with peace with God, when you start considering then the sacrifices that was required by those offerings and you start adding up that blood and then you start looking at the blood for like uh, uh, the day on at- of atonement when there's blood shed, right? And, and these other special feast days, all right, where blood is shed. Man, it, it, you know, it's surprised you can't hold the Holy Bible and walk away with red on your hands. It, it's just a bloody book, you know, in the Old Testament. And a lot of those things was for the sanctioning and, and the per- perpetuating of that Old Testament covenant. And what we know from the Old Testament is this, is that all the blood of the Old Testament, whenever it comes to sin and things of that nature, or even like the Day of Atonement that was to be handling the sins of the people, one day in which the high priest would enter into the holiest of holies, and he being the only one, yet the Bible says he was not allowed in there without blood. Right? And so he enters into this holiest of holies place one day of the year to make atonement, to make the nation of Israel, everybody atonement. The simple word atonement best is broken down at one man, to make mankind at one again with God because of the sins of the people. But every year he had to do it. Every year he had to do it. The blood of, of goats and rams and all that, every year he had this one day that he did this, which we know from Old Testament Scripture isn't totally eliminating the issue, but it's just kind of postponing the issue, so to speak. It, it was like a, a good for uh, 365 days. It, it was an annual event that had to be gone back to over and over again. And that's just a shadow. That's just a shadow that we see in the Old Testament. The New Testament substance, again, is the sacrifice. It's Calvary of the Lord Jesus Christ whose scripture says, and you read this in Hebrews, who as, as a high priest, Christ himself being a high priest, the Bible says that he entered into that holy place. But we're not talking about a tabernacle that was on the earth. We're talking about a tabernacle that's in the heavens. You read this in Hebrews, that everything that we see in the Old Testament, tabernacle and temple, the altar and the laver and the table of shoe bread, all those different furnishings, it tells us that those were just, those were just patterns of the heavenly. Those were just patterns of the heavenly. And the Bible says that Christ as a high priest entered in once, right? He didn't just enter, and this is the fantabulous thing about Jesus Christ, how he fulfills all of these things, that he was the high priest that entered in but he was also the lamb. He was also the lamb that was needed for being slain. It was also then the, his blood by virtue of being the man Christ Jesus, right? The, the, the Bible tells us in Corinthians 2 it that God was in Christ. All right, God prepared for himself. We read in, in, in Hebrews, God prepared for himself a body right, that has flesh and blood. And so not as only Christ entering in as the high priest, he's entering in as the lamb that was slain and the blood that was necessary for, if you will, to make all of the world at one with God, but it didn't happen without blood. It didn't happen without blood. And so just as the first testament 
uh, its dedication and its honor surfaces because there was blood involved. The writer is telling us then that this second covenant or second testament that we have in the New Testament also demands or, if you will, requires blood in it as well. As a matter of fact, just in the first few verses or this text, our text today, the verses that I read to you, six times the subject matter of blood surfaces in, in, in these verses of Scripture. And so he goes back, and I'm going to read some verses there and be, be patient with Brother Mason up there and myself because I didn't get him all my scriptures to him, all right? I told him we'd do this on the fly. But Brother Mason, if we can turn to Exodus chapter 24 because this is what my text is pointing back to in verse 19 whenever it says Moses had, had done something. So we're definitely not talking about New Testament right here because Moses is dead and long gone for years and years by the time of this writing. It's referring back to something in the Old Testament and Exodus chapter 24 and if you have a Bible with you today or a phone or whatever it is you want to turn there with us that'd be great because again I don't have none of these things marked in my Bible uh, per se so I'm just going to be turning there as well maybe we should have a good old sword drill everybody to get there I don't know but nonetheless uh, Exodus chapter 24 verses 6 through 8 this is the occurrence that the writer of Hebrews is referring to the Bible says in verse 6 and, and, and let me kind of preface this a little bit. You could read a verse above this, that there are some offerings, there are some sacrifices that have been made unto the Lord that bring us unto this moment, all right? And the Bible says, and Moses took half of the blood and put it in a basins, in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Verse 7 of Exodus 24 Thank you, Brother Mason. You're doing great today. And he took the blood of the covenant or the blood of the testament. Again, the interchangeability of these words. He took the blood of the covenant and read in the audience, the book of the covenant, rather, sorry, the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord have said will we do and be obedient. Verse 8 and Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant or testament which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. All right? And so we see right here in the Old Testament and what is happening that the people are present uh, with Moses and that there have been sacrifices made which give them blood in this this very moment and that there is seems to be a dividing of the blood uh, for some purposes and uses but even in the Old Testament in Exodus 24 Moses has has used blood upon the altar uh, he's read the book of the covenant he has used the blood upon the the people uh, and he speaks even of the blood being the blood of the covenant. And so whenever we come then to Hebrews chapter number 9, there is a retelling of this story. And you find this oftentimes in the Bible, right? If you see something that the book of Hebrews mentions about another another occurrence that took place in the old covenant, and there are some of the details that are more or less the Bible, the Bible is one cohesive, one cohesive book. Uh, just like when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we call them the harmony 
of the Gospels and you find one story, you know, that might be in, let's say, Matthew, Mark, and Luke in three of those Gospels, which they call the Synoptic Gospels, you find one story in those, but it's not told exactly the same way. And, and of course, each Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all writing for different audiences, yes. But again, just like if we were to go out here uh, this morning and as we left, Sister Brenda Wendell was leaving and Kevin Adams was leaving and I'll have Sister Brenda Wendell backing into Brother Kevin Adams and we had an accident out there and there were four people out there and so the cops then come. All these people have witnessed this and so the cop's going to do what? He's going to talk. Who, who witnessed, you know, this accident? And these four people say, oh, I seen it and I seen it and I seen it. And they're going to what? They're typically not going to speak to them as a group. No, they're going to talk to each one of them individually and do what? Get their take on the story of what they witnessed. And their stories may not be exactly alike, right? They all got up wherever, from wherever they were standing or whatever they were doing, they're going to have a certain perspective of what took place. And so that good old cop, bless his heart, is going to try to take these stories like and bring some harmony to them. Uh, where they overlap or where there may be some nuances, he'll get some information from one that he didn't get from the other. And so that's what happens in the Bible. That's what happens with the harmony of the Gospels. You have these different stories being told in these different passages, and you might get some other information in one you didn't get the other but when you put it all together you're getting a more complete picture of what took place so I said all of that to say then as we read in Hebrews and he's reflecting back upon this this pattern or this story in the book of Exodus Exodus chapter number 24 we see that there are maybe some additional things made mention of that wasn't mentioned in Exodus well it's not like oh I found a contradictory statement in the word. Yeah, you know, people that have, you know, these critical minds, there's people that are called critical analysts of Scripture. They're always looking for something to, like, try to uh, take away the truthfulness, right, in the inerrancy of God's word. Uh, when I read Scripture, I'm not looking for that. I see something that, you know what, he's elaborated a little bit more here to help my understanding for this back here. He's bringing further detail. And so that's what we find here in the book of Hebrews. There's further detail that is given to us because whenever he speaks of Moses speaking every precept, which he did, he read the book of the covenant to them, and he talks about the blood that he had, and he mentions a little bit more blood of calves and goats, and he talks about scarlet wool and hyssop that may have been instruments for the sprinkling of that blood but the bible says here in hebrews that he, he sprinkled the book and all the people all right and it goes on talking about the blood of this testament or this covenant but it also tells us in verse 21 of hebrews 9 that sprinkling with blood also the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry it even tells us that that without the shedding of blood that there is no remission and so with this, and, and we see in Scripture in, in Hebrews, it says also particularly in verse number 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood or cleansed with blood or sanctified with blood. So you see the blood on the people, you see the blood on the book, you see the blood on, on all the instruments of the tabernacle, you see the blood on the tabernacle itself. When you consider the high priest and Aaron's sons, blood's being put on them. All of this is being purged. All of this is being cleansed. But I want to just kind of go just a little even further that with the blood being involved in all of these things, then through and by the blood, these things are becoming connected. They're becoming connected. And as I thought about this this past week, through the aspect of modern-day science, 
whenever we consider the blood that is in our bodies, all right, the blood that is in our bodies is considered to be a specialized connective tissue. Your blood is considered by science a specialized connective tissue because your blood connects all the different systems in your body. Cardiovascular, digestive, I can't name them all. Okay, I'm not a nurse, didn't go to anatomy class and all that. Okay, but all the different systems that are in your body, your blood connects all these different systems of your body. It's transporting oxygen, it's carrying away waste, it's bringing nutrients. And so we have these various systems that may be separated. For instance, like digestive and cardiovascular, but the link, the link between these two and others is the blood. The blood is a connector. The blood is a link, and it links these things in our human bodies together. The reason why I say that for our application today is when we start to look what the Scripture says in Hebrews and in Exodus, what was touched or sprinkled or impacted by the blood, it starts to create links. And what I think it does is it creates links for us as Christians or in the Old Testament for the nation of Israel because the blood was sprinkled on the people. I'm going to name the things between these two Old Testament, New Testament passages that blood was upon. Blood was upon the people. Blood was upon the book of the covenant. Can I just say modern day? The blood was upon the Bible. The blood was upon the tabernacle. If I'm bringing to the modern day, the church, the blood was upon all the vessels that were used in ministry in the tabernacle, which other translations, rather than saying the vessels of the ministry, they call them all the vessels of worship. I mean, every little, we're not just talking about altar and just shoe bread. We're talking about those, uh, I hate to call them menial things, but uh, not as large things, snuff dishes and tongs. All these things were touched by the blood, but all those instruments were used for what? For the purpose of worship and so there is a blood connectivity that starts to happen from the old testament that even spills over into the new testament that god is wanting to listen to me clearly god is wanting to connect his people to his book to his book to his tabernacle to the church amen he's wanting to connect them uh to worship even without the shedding of blood, there is no man. He wants to connect them to forgiveness. God wants his people connected in all of these aspects and he uses the blood as this link to construct and bring, really, Brother Fred, a unity, a unity between his people and the church, his people and the book, his people and worship, his people and forgiveness. In other words, I think this is a tremendous uh, Christian model, but for sure a tremendous new convert model that if you want to know what God wants you connected to and what he wants you to be unified with, he wants you to be unified to his word, his church, worship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants you to be connected, amen, to all of these things. Someone say amen. So it's one of the ways. Amen through virtue and by virtue of his blood that he showed both the Old Testament, Old Covenant people and New, new Covenant people uh, what, what he wanted for them. Amen. 
And, and, and verse 20 even of our text tells us that he said this blood, and he spoke this even in the Old Testament, that this is the blood of the Testament which God hath enjoined unto you. In other words, God has commanded this blood for you, this connection, this link with all these other things. And we learn from Scripture that it is the blood that puts this covenant, all right, into force. This is the playground that puts these things into force. So we're linked with all these things. So I want to just talk about a few of them, and I'll be mindful of our time here today day my brain's mush anyway I say well it don't seem like much to me well to me it seems mush all right but uh, nonetheless uh, when we talk about then God's Moses and here in the Hebrews the sprinkling of the people and the sprinkling of the altar that's done because he wants to make the people have a connection with the altar because that's another thing that's in the group and it amazes me when you think about this because we teach this right I've taught this before we tell people, right? We talk about prayer. We talk about Bible reading. We talk about, you know, being in the house of God, you know, rubbing shoulders. All that are things that we talk about for, quote, unquote, success in your Christian journey. And the Lord has really done that in, in almost a symbolic form here in the Scripture by attaching those and linking those with blood. So the lives of the people, he threw, he had sprinkled the people, but he also threw blood up on the altar. And so he wants a link for his people to be with the altar. If we can turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1. And I'll tell you, just because I didn't submit Scripture to them does not mean I don't have Scripture. Okay. 1 Peter chapter, or 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1. We, we need a connection. We need a connection with the altar. All right. And so uh, let's just kind of do a little flyover here, real quick. Paul is writing a letter to Timothy. Timothy is, is known by and large as Paul's son in the gospel. Uh, whenever he was on his missionary journeys, he passed through the very place where Timothy resided. And one of the times that he passed through, he even, he even inquired of Timothy if he would like to join his missionary trip and journey. And Timothy did. So they traveled together, and Paul poured himself, everything he knew about God, he poured himself into Timothy. Not, not This didn't just happen whenever Timothy became a pastor, which he did. And that was important. But even prior to that, he is pouring what he knew about God, how to live a successful Christian life into this young man, Timothy. And one of the things that Paul tells Timothy in the book of Timothy is this, in 1 Timothy 2 and 1. He said, I exhort, therefore, he's speaking to Timothy, and it's applicable for all of us, but we're just kind of like being able to eavesdrop on this letter in conversation, right? He says, I exhort, therefore, that everybody say first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving you thanks be made for all men. And then Paul's going to break down about how for kings and rulers. He's going to break down some of the divisions. But I believe it's important for our aspect today that Paul tells Timothy that first. First, which indicates priority, hmm? which indicates importance. That there first, Timothy, in, in your walk and relationship with the Lord, just as a Christian, and yes, for sure, as being the pastor of a New Testament church, first, there needs to be these supplications, these prayers. There needs to be some type of communication between you and God, Timothy. He, Paul is drawing the bloodline link. 
Paul is drawing the bloodline link between people and prayer and placing importance and priority upon prayer as being as the top of the list. Amen. And so if Paul is doing that for a young Timothy, if Paul is doing that for Pastor Timothy, then that is applicable then for our lives as well. We need a connection with the altar. We need a connection with the altar. It's important. There need, you, you cannot survive to the degree that the Lord wants you to survive and thrive in this thing called the body of Christ without prayer. I'm not calling anybody to pray three hours a day. I'm not calling you even to pray an hour a day. That's great if you do. But if you can just pray each day. I'm, I'm not trying to lasso the moon, but we're just talking about disciplines in your life that you could just get going. And, and I know we've said this before and it bears repeating, but if you just get a good seven-day stretch and you fall off on day number eight, don't throw the baby out with the bath water and just say, well, I just can't do this. On day number nine, pray. Because it is vitally important you as a Christian for you to form a relationship with God through prayer, that you have a conversation with God in prayer. Amen. It's going to be absolutely vital uh, to your relationship with the Lord. And I believe that is one of the many way, reasons why the Lord had blood on the people and blood on the altar. He wanted them to have a connection, amen, with the altar. And sometimes we come to the altar various different ways. There's times, sometimes you're going to come to the altar rejoicing, and there's going to be other times you come to the altar weeping. There's going to be sometimes you come to the altar and you do more, a lot of talking. There's sometimes you're going to come to the altar, you're going to do a lot of listening. There, there's sometimes you're going to be coming to the altar for somebody else and there's other times you're going to come to the altar for yourself but it's important that men and women we have this connection with the altar amen and if you read even further down in first timothy chapter number two and you come around verse number six the bible even begins to describe it's speaking of christ jesus christ jesus is mentioned in verse five who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified or it could be testimony to give a testimony in due time or a covenant he's even centering all this around the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ christ gave his life as a ransom he supplied the blood it's almost like uh paul was inserting a little bit of the blood connection here yet uh, that Christ's blood and all this he gave his life to be a ransom for all he became a mediator between God and man Christ Jesus did a mediator between God and man and we still run in that area of mediation by having conversation with the Lord in our everyday lives and Paul doesn't leave this subject matter of prayer alone when you get down to verse number eight of this same chapter, he begins to speak about how that he would desire that men everywhere would lift up holy hands, he, that they would, without wrath and doubting, that they would pray, amen, everywhere. And so he's reiterating unto Timothy this connection between him, and that goes for all of us, for all of us, and prayer. We need the connection, the blood connection between us and the altar. Furthermore, in 1 Thessalonians, these are just two little verses, but they're important verses. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16 and 17, look at this. 
Paul, again, is writing a letter to the church that is in the city of Thessalonica, all right? And so these are the Thessalonian people, and he's speaking to them. He's giving them some instruction in verses 12 through 22, and you can read all the instructions that he gives. They are very needful and necessary for the church, the church, all right? Not just the church at Thessalonica, but some of the things he says, amen, in his, his, his uh, instruction that he gives to them are verses 16 and 17. And I'm going to read them together. They're not very long. It says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. One of the things he tells them, instruction for this church at Thessalonians, is to pray without ceasing. Now, I'm, again, we've looked at this before. That doesn't mean the moment you wake up in the morning, you start, Oh, dear Heavenly Father, and you go and you're talking, and people's looking at you and saying, They must be talking to themselves. And they just go along talking all day, and you've got to keep a water bottle because you get parts because your, your mouth's getting dry because you're just so in prayer from the moment you rise up. That's not what it's talking about. But you can be in the spirit of prayer. You can be mindful. You ever seen, I mean, you, this is how prayer works. I know we try to make it sometimes like this combination. We turn to number 38 and then we go past the number and hit number 10 again. Like, what's the combination of this? The combination of this is practicing it. Just doing it. it it's going to look different in everybody's life. It is. It's going. Let's consider, let's just consider conversation on a very practical level. You get my wife talking with somebody. And the way she holds conversation with somebody is entirely different than the way that I hold conversation with somebody. Speed and fluctuation of voice, excitement, all, I'm telling you. But it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that we both had conversation, maybe with the same person, but it didn't look the same or necessarily sound the same, wasn't at the same speed. My wife could probably talk two times faster than what I'm talking right now. Matter of fact, I think I talk quicker today than what I did when I first got married, and it's only because I've been exposed to her talking. Love you, dear. But what I'm saying, prayer's going to look different. The way that Bishop McGee prays compared to the way that Fred McGee prays, it's going to look different. But just because one looks different from the other doesn't mean that one is wrong compared to the other. And so if you're being intimidated by the way that you pick up on that somebody prays to God, I could never do that. Yeah, you can't because you're not them. And God doesn't want you to be them. He wants you to be like him. And that requires prayer. That requires prayer. And so praying without ceasing, you're just in a mind of prayer. You know, there's times that I'm out in the community and I see somebody and not like when I see them, I remember something about them going on in their life. Like, my mental dialogue just goes straight to talking to God about whatever that was. That's, that's be, having a mindfulness, a spirit of prayer in about your life. Amen. And the only reason why I incorporated verse 16 with that <laughs> is because of all the instructions we go through and we would read of in that about quenching not the spirit, yes, bless God, proving all things, is that sometimes we have a problem following the instruction about rejoicing evermore in our Christian experience. And that's the only reason why I included those two words among the instructions that were given to the church. Sometimes we need to do some more rejoicing. We need to do some more rejoicing uh, in our lives. So there's this connection. This is not supposed to turn into a series, okay? I'm telling you right now, we got to help me, Jesus. Brother Mason's smiling up there. Um, so there's a the connection with the... So you have... Yeah, 
He is. You trust me. You, I know. You see him, don't you? Tracy's looking back like, yeah, I'll look at him. He's back there. But anyway, so the people's to be connected with the altar, and the altar and the people are to be connected with the book, the book of the covenant. And note, though, it's not this. Whenever I, when you picture the connectivity of this blood, I don't want you to connect, look like a diagram of the person, and then you have altar, book, uh, tent or tabernacle, uh, you know, the, the instruments in the tabernacle. I don't even want to see that and see the line of connection like the hub of a wheel and a spoke going out to each one. I'd rather you see each one almost in a circle and they're all interconnected. It's not just the person connected with the altar and connected with the book and there's no connectivity between the altar and the book. The blood connection is is interconnectivity among all of these things and so but the people do and the altar does need a connection with the book little uh, statistic i just grabbed this morning uh, actually said that only nine percent of americans and one-third of protestant churchgoers read the bible daily only nine percent only nine percent of americans and a third of protestant churchgoers read the bible daily and what applied to prayer applies to the book or reading the book or studying the book, amen, applies the same, meaning this. I'm not asking you to read the whole book of Psalms tomorrow. All right? 150 chapters. That would probably be healthy, but I'm not asking you to read uh, all of Psalms tomorrow. And I'm not asking you to, you know, whatever, read five chapters. Again, read something. Read something of the book. Read something of the book tomorrow. We've already here in the past few weeks done uh, a few different lessons on the Bible, right, and the importance of the Word of God in our lives. We've already talked about that a lot, so I'm not, I'm not going to be redundant and tread that ground again, but it's all those things that I spoke about and probably in two or three of those lessons that underscore the fact why there needs to be the connection between the people and the book. All right, it, thereby where, which you grow. We need that, all right? The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you in turn there, amen, you shouldn't be far from there because we were just there, but 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 15. The Bible says, again, Paul speaking to Timothy here, instruction, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Let's look at the ability of the scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, right? We got the plan of salvation right here in this book. Able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, verse 16. All scripture, everybody say all. Old and New Testament. You'll come across some that believe the Old Testament is old and archaic and not, rel- not relative today. It's hogwash. <laughs> Most of the New Testament is built on the Old Testament. A lot of what you read in New Testament Scripture is quotation from the Old Testament. Huh? And the New Testament spoke about how those things were written for our learning, the Old Testament. So all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Look, all Scripture, your word that you need to get in touch with is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. God says, I'm going to create a blood link between the people and my word. Look at the profitability of Scripture, verse 17, that the man of God, 
And man in general, the man that's striving to be a Christian may be perfect, meaning may be whole, may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. How so? By the Bible, by the word. And so, Bishop, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep in touch with the principles of doctrine of the word. How do I do that? By reading his word, right? I, I, I need not just every, every week, every day. I, I, Paul McGee, every day needs correction. <laughs> every day I need reproof in some area of my life. When I wake up, I don't think so, but something's gonna happen that day that's gonna show. Yep, I need, I need some reproof. I need, I need instruction. I need instruction today. In righteousness, which is basically this, in right living. I need instruction, but I got, to, I got to have a connection with this book. And this book needs connected to the altar. What? Yes, this book needs connected to the altar. How? I implore you, pray the scriptures. What? Pray the scriptures. If it has a different name in there, if it has a pronoun in there, put your name in there. Put your, uh, and I, I may have shared this before, but uh, I got some uh, peculiar, not peculiar, but particular scriptures many times that in the Psalms uh, that I like to pray, like Psalms 140 and about the next five, I love to pray these sometimes in my prayer closet. I'm just praying. I've, I may pray for this one, that one, ever. And sometimes I'll crack open my Bible and I start praying the scriptures and I start praying Psalms 140. Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man. Huh? Which imagine mischiefs in their heart continually. Heart continually are they gathered together for war. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent man who have purpose to overthrow my goings. The proud have hid a snare for me in cords. They have spread as a net in the wayside. They have set gins for me. I said unto the Lord, thou art my God. Hear the voice of my supplications. Huh? Oh, Lord, I, I read these things. Verse, you go to the next chapter. He's crying out, Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice. I'm praying to God. I know the psalmist might have wrote that and that might have been his prayer, but listen, uh, he's part of humanity too and he experienced some things that I experienced and has some of the same feelings and I'm saying, hear my cry, God. Hear my cry, amen. And verse four says, incline not my heart to do any evil thing. That's a great prayer for the day. God, don't let my heart be inclined to evil. Then you look at verse or chapter 42. The, the scripture starts out, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. Verse two, I poured out my complaint. Brother McGee, you have complained sometimes about God and what's going on? Yeah. You need to connect the, you need to connect the book with the altar with you. I'm taking way too much time here this morning, it seems. I gotta, I gotta have this. Look, this is Joshua 1 and 8, and Brother McGee, or Brother McGee, <laughs> Brother Mason, whew, I told you it's mush, folks, it is mush. This, I'm reading from the ESV, okay? And so I, if you have the ability to get that, that'd be great, they'd see exactly what I'm reading. Uh, but Joshua chapter number one and verse number eight of the ESV, I, I will not get through today. Not unless you want to have lunch with me here. It's not happening. 
And I was worried that I wasn't going to have anything to say today. <clears throat> Joshua 1, verse number 8. Thank you, Brother Mason. Both our last names begin with M. That was just a slip. I'm going to stop talking here in a little bit, Ethan, and have you come up here and just finish this up. Amen. Joshua chapter number 1, verse number 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. You know what's one of the great things about whenever you have time with his word, then whatever you read in his word, you can take in your day and think about that throughout the day. Whatever you, even if it's a solitary verse, if it's a solitary verse, you can take that and that can be something in your mind. You can just kind of ponder, think over, consider throughout the day. He said, you shall meditate on it day and night. So, so here's the reason, so that you may be careful. Everybody say careful. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Huh? So, so one of the purposes of me reading the book and getting it in my heart, my mind, and meditating on it is so that the way then that I live my life, I'll do this carefully and cautiously so that I will do according to what I've read and what has been written, right? Now, the big thing is if someone was given instruction manual and they start uh, uh, instruction manual, and maybe for their job, maybe a job description, what they're supposed to be doing or what their responsibilities are, and they never read it, and they come and they're doing this and that, and then the boss comes up and says, what are you doing? So I'm just, you know, I'm doing what I'm, I believe I'm supposed to be doing. Well, didn't you, read the, didn't you read your description, your job description? That's what you're supposed to be. Well, no, I didn't. Well, see, so there's a disconnect in between what you think you should be doing and what you really ought to be doing. But whenever you read the manual, <laughs> when you read the manual, you can be careful and cautious to do what was written because you've created a blood link, so to speak, between you and the word, amen, and the altar. Look then, it's not over, the verse ain't over. For then, everybody say then. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The, the, the biggest amazement to me about this verse, whether it's King James or whatever, is that in the SV and the King James, this is in the King James in particular, is the only place that you ever find the word success in all of Scripture, the only place in the Bible the word success is mentioned is whenever it's in this verse and it's interlinked with how we interact and are obedient to God's word. To me, meaning, Sister Pat, God's, God's definition, his outlook, what he determines success is a whole lot different than what we determine success. God determines success of people that interact with the word and that are careful to walk according to what is written. That's success in the true meaning of it. Amen. Someone say amen. And so we need this. Uh, we need the word. You need to be connected to the word. Let me just go through another, some other things, reason why. And I probably ain't going to get any further than this this morning. All right. I don't know, Lord. You have me geared and wired different than most people nonetheless but that's okay amen this is the word of the word of god that's what we call it right the word of god another way you could structure that sentence and it still be correct this is god's possessive god's word now you know if someone said anything we don't speak king james language and jen said you know, I'm going to the store, and then I seen Tyler and said, what's going on? And said, well, I seen Jen, and 
the word of Jen was, she's going to the store. Well, what I'm meaning is Jen, Jen said, the statement she made, what are you saying to me? I'm saying anytime you read scripture, you're hearing from God. Anytime you interact with the scripture, you're hearing from God and the wisdom of that God. You're learning more about God as you read that word. As, as Paul told Timothy, he said, you, you, you come across and you learn salvation by that word. The word of God will give you peace. Folks, and, and, and maybe it's a, a far cry, and I know it's not like always black and white, but there are many of the circumstances of your life that you can find between the pages of this leather-bound book. And if it isn't like, you know, identical as far as stating your exact story or scenario that's happened to you, there are a lot of principles, overarching things that apply to what we have faced in life, whether it be, uh, you know, being slandered by someone or whether it be uh, family, family discontent. All of these things are right here within this book. And so it can give us peace. For that matter, whenever you feel like maybe you're a part of a context that's really weird, you read in the Scripture and find out, you know what? There's a lot of other... Oh, Kevin just... He just <laughs> Kevin Adams, I seen an eye row up into the corner uh, talking about families being weird. I don't know what's going on right there. But nonetheless, Kevin, if you look in the Bible, there were other Adams families. Maybe not by that name, but they're in the Bible. And sometimes, sometimes whenever I'm reading across scriptures like that, it brings me great comfort to know that there were other crazy people. Huh? Whenever I read New Testament scripture, Brother Zach, uh, of, of, of pastors and ministers and missionaries, and they talk about they brought the word and that there were some that marveled and there were some that didn't believe, that brings me comfort as a pastor. So I stand up here every service, I try to teach the word, and there's some that grab a hold, and there's others like, Bleh. you know, I'm like, okay, but I'm not the only guy that's ever, you know, met with that frustration. They did in the scripture too. And so you got the consolation that there was a Eutychus in the third story that while Paul was alone preaching, he fell asleep and fell out the third loft. And some of you get consolation from that from me that while I'm teaching, you get... You can identify with that. I know that might be extreme, but really that is. You can find, you can find yourself in the Word, so you need that connectivity with the Word. Amen? Right? To help you, you're not alone. You're not by yourself. Amen. Brother Mason, you can come. I'm closing, really, folks, here in the next 15 minutes. No, I'm closing soon. But there's so many different things. Uh, as parents, the family dynamic, as parents with children, the Bible gives us tools and proverbs and some of the wisdom literature about how we, we instruct our children. That's found in the Word. There's so many stories in the Word that help build your faith that help build your faith, that help renew your mind, that help renew your mind. Let's even go further. It even helps us concerning our rows in the family, meaning just even our male-female rows, our husband-wife rows, found in the Word of God. We're taught through the Word to imitate God, Right? Again, we find places in there that help correct sin in our life. It gives us courage. It gives us hope. It gives us joy. We're reminded through the word the various promises of God. 
the various promises that God has given people, amen, and the church through his word. Man, it's good to, it's good to read those, Sister Pat, to be reminded that's what God's promised me. That's because if we, don't, if we don't refresh our memories, it's just like some of you, you might be a part of a will that someone told you, hey, I put you in my will. They told you about it, you, you know, years and years go by, you know. You, you don't quite remember all the language of that or how all of that kind of shakes down because why? You haven't picked that up or they've not told you in so long. You really don't know all the dynamics of that. And so, But the more that you familiarize yourself with this on the day, you're keeping all those things in the forefront of your mind. He, he, what's that say? He said he would never leave me nor forsake me. What does that say? He said when the enemy would come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord would upraise a standard against him. What does that say? Rejoice not against me oh my enemy for when I fall I shall arise what what does that say the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God into the pulling down of strongholds honey I need that type of word every I need reminded stand with me I gotta quit I need that every day it's it's teaching me it's telling me how to combat the adversary. Hmm? And it is within itself a tool for combating the adversary. I need that every day. I told you I was quitting. But it'll help me, it'll help me pick up on false doctrine. Hmm? Because I familiarize myself with the true doctrine. So there's a connect. I guess I'll go on with this next Sunday, I guess. If I got to. So there's a connectivity that's been created in Hebrews. <clears throat> or further exploited in Hebrews that was created all the way back in the New Testament. Again, between altar, book, church, worship, the worshipers, the sprinkling of the blood that connects it all together that needs to be vital places placement in our lives as Christians amen in between one another we, we need we need worship and altar in the church you see how all this connects hmm? it all connects it'd be a, it'd be a horrible situation to have the, the tent or the tabernacle have the book have the altar but then have no utensils of worship. No, no, we need the whole, as they say, the whole ball of wax. <laughs> this whole connectivity. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in this place today. Father, I come to you right now. God, Lord, we need that bloodline. We need that blood connection in our lives. I'm even asking this morning, I, I know I've done just a little teaching. We just touched on the altar and on the book. Could we, as an act of faith and participating with what's already been said today, as a people, just before we leave today, have some interaction with the altar? 
And if while you're there, you, you need to speak a little verse of Scripture that you know, just, just make that, that three-part connection that we're already in right now of people alter in the, in the book. Amen. This morning, can we come to a place? You can stand to come pray. You can kneel, whatever. But let's, let's, let's just kind of practice already this blood connectivity of what we've, what we've covered so far. And I'm, I'm not against this morning. If you need to bring your Bible, you got your phone open and you need to go to a place and you just need to put yourself in there or you want to go back to Psalms 140 or one of those... And just read a few verses to the Lord this morning. And he said, oh, Brother McGee, that's it. It's not ignorant. I know we're all up here. and Maybe you'd rather do that at home. But that's our, there's a connection. There's a blood connection between the word, the altar, and the people. God, I want to practice that. God, I want to be involved in that. I, I want this connectivity, Lord God, to be fluid in my life. I, I want it, Lord God, to have an impact, Lord, in my life, in my home, in my family. God, I want to hear you speak through your word. And I want to speak to you, Lord Jesus, through prayer. God, I know sometimes I'm going to speak and other times I'm going to listen. And I understand this morning, the way that I do it isn't going to be exactly the way somebody else's do it. God, the way that I pray won't be exactly the way that they pray. God, I pray, oh Lord, today that help me, Lord, to grow comfortable. Lord, in making it a meaningful, consistent practice in my life. There's got to be that connection. There's got to be that connection. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Maybe all you know, amen, is from the book of John. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just the two words of Jesus wept. Amen, pray those words and understand that if he stood at the grave of Lazarus, amen, that was prematurely dead and wept for him that he's also mindful of you and wherever, whatever you may be going through that's how you pray scripture you take it and you apply it to your life you take it and you apply it, amen to you as an individual or circumstances pray today, talk to God connect yourself with the word and with the altar, I love you Jesus I love you Jesus God we cry out to you today oh Lord God, oh God, oh God, I need him, I need him, I need him. Oh, word of God, speak into our lives. God, we want to learn of you, Jesus. God, it's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof and correction, Lord. God, it's an instruction in righteousness, God. I need it today, Lord. It's able, Lord Jesus, to save me. It's able, Lord Jesus. I I see the plan of salvation in it, oh God. I need to have communication with you, oh Lord. I need to interact with you, oh Lord. Help me to pray without ceasing. Help me to pray without... Let me have a mindset of prayer. God, a mindset, Lord Jesus, of prayer. God, that you're close and I can just reach out to you at any moment in time. Oh, yes, 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 yes. of the blood you mean hallelujah oh let's lavish our love on him today will it trade you no 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 oh yeah he is he is he is everything
You're my everything, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. My challenge to you, make that blood connection this week. If nothing more, just with the three things, you, the altar, and the word this week. You, the altar, and the word. Sister Adams just said back in the uh, refrigerators, there's fruit stuff in the freezers. Okay, there's fruit stuff in the freezers and also there's tubs, if you want to call them that, of ice cream. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.